Shit Platypus Says, episode 42. A special Christmas edition on the Platypus Review, issue 142, featuring articles by Benedict Cryptofash, Caleb Maupin, Chris Catron, and D.L. Jacobs. and hi Lisa hi hello welcome Uh, we have exciting news we have a new segment coming to you all by two members of platypus Lisa and Rebecca Lisa is in Leipzig and Rebecca is at the London School of Economics in London and they are both going to continue the tradition of the shit platypus dust segment but now it's going to come to you regularly and we will be covering things from the platypus review the panels the archives all sorts of things so we thought that we would introduce the segment and introduce lisa and rebecca and ask them a little bit about what they are going to take up and why why we're doing the segment so why are we doing this segment guys <laughs> Um, I got a crazy phone call from Sophia um, where she was like, I just need to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay. And she's like, do you want to be on the podcast? And I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and she introduced me to Lisa. She said, cool, we have another member from Leipzig who's interested in doing it. I was like, Lisa, sounds great. Um, let's have a call. And I think after we finished our first call and just had a bit of a brainstorming session, I, I got really excited. And I think being part of, of the SPS tradition is super exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I think for a while, um, a conversation that's been happening in Platypus has been how do we access our archives and how do we kind of engage with, you know, how do we kind of like objectify the activity that we're doing already? Right. Um, and, you know, I, I think I, I was, you know, I'm, I'm not great at keeping up with the activity. I wish I had like a better way to kind of engage with what we do. Um, There's a lot. Huh? <laughs> there is a lot. There is a lot. Yeah. And how do you coordinate all that? And and often you need kind of like a to talk it out with someone. And that's and that's where kind of Lisa came in. Yes. And as relatively new members, at least um, in relation to the existence of the of the organization as such, we we can provide guide through all this um, through the archive. So it's a learning experience for us, and we can teach. So it's it's also the education for for the listeners um, and for ourselves too. So it's a good possibility to really go into our archives and exchanges and conversations, old conversations we had on the left and with the left. And also there is the whole resource of the German uh, Platypus Review that I can inform you and the audience too, which is not um, wholly um, translated into English. Yes, as peasants who have a difficult time reading the complicated language. I, I have no German time. Will I benefit. Have, there's zero time I spend reading German because I cannot do it. Unwashed. Unwashed on German speaker. So I'm excited <laughs> for Lisa to, to bring me into the German speaking world of, of the Platypus organization. 
Yes. Fabulous. We're going to have regular guests to interview people that have worked on articles, panel organizing, etc. And we're really excited to feature many of our members that haven't yet been on the podcast. So if you're listening and you're a member of the Platypus Affiliated Society, you should get in touch with us. Or we'll get in touch with you. And if you have any ideas to pitch, you know, holla at us. Lisa, how would you pitch this segment we've just done with Lou? What should we, before before going into the segment, what would you? So there is a wonderful issue, the Platypus Review, issue number 142. We are looking at the PR as a whole. So it's not each article as such, but what we try to address is how these articles relate to the present um, that we are living in and how the left does look um, like today and how they relate in their forms um, or in their perspectives um, to the history on the left. Exactly. I think that all of us agree that Platypus is asking itself, why do we host these symptoms on the left and why are we hosting them today? So this is just one effort to continue that introspection, that reflection, that critical look at our own work through the podcast. Uh, so thank you guys. And uh, you stay tuned for the segment with Lisa and Rebecca, the first iteration of Shit Platypus Does Under Their Helm. Rebecca and I are talking today with Lewis, who is the editor-in-chief of our Platypus Review about issue 142. The Platypus Review is one of our public fora in which we host the conversation of the left via articles from our own members and leftists outside of Platypus, as well as responses to past issues, panel transcripts, interviews and reports from left events. Our Platypus Review offers a broad archive about the current status of the left, the memory of Marxism, and the history of the left. Without further ado, Louis, tell us something about the latest issue. How did the articles come to be? This issue has, well, at least one thing from a recent event that we had. We kind of had an internal discussion about learning from the right. And so we have a piece by D.L. Jacobs called What Can One Learn from the Right? We have a solicited article from Benedict Cryptofash, who's been making some waves, I guess, on the internet. His piece is called The Left is Not a Concept, which is, you know, approaching actually the, the Koyakowski reading his text, uh, The Concept of the Left, and also responding to uh, at least one panel that Platypus hosted concerning these two concepts. Benedict Cryptofash's idea here is that the left not only is not dead, but has been continuously acting politically, that the left that we see today is not the dead left, but indeed the real true left. Yeah, what I found interesting is especially that the article of the Cryptofash sounds 
really central to the issue and Danny's piece um, sounds like an answer or a response to to CryptoFest. So the curation is, is great here that it sounds as if it was written for the article of CryptoFest. I think there is a huge difference between the CryptoFest and um, Danny's article while the CryptoFest sees um, the left as a product or identical with um, progressive capitalism. Denny focuses on the history of the left as a kind of the failures of the left produce this progressive capitalism. So the, the left and right distinction we, are, um, we have um, also in our syllabus and especially with the Kolakowski is, is important to get a, a sense of Bonapartist politics, to get a sense of what role does the left play politically. So it's, it's also very focused, these two articles are very focused on the political sphere of the left, the political impact of the left. When we say that the left is dead, it means the left is politically dead. And um, he says it's alive, but in form of progressive capitalism. But this is especially the case when we say this is the dead of the left. I thought it was really interesting in, in, in terms of both he and Danny pick up this left-right distinction as symptomatic of capitalism, right? So, so, so he's saying, um, which the thing is like, CryptoFash isn't wrong when he's saying that the left reconstructs capitalism. Right. Like that, that is. And he picks up that like Marx's career was founded on his critique of utopianism. And I don't think on that basis, Danny Jacobs would disagree like with his article. I think what what's the subtle but really key difference between their two approaches to the left and this this question of what is the concept of the left and what is Marxism, which actually is it weirdly is framing our the first half of the reading group syllabus. So I think it's it's great that this PR is coming whilst like coming out whilst we're already reading and, and engaging with these ideas of like what is the left and what is Marxism. But whereas Benedict Cryptofash is kind of rejecting the left on the basis that it's symptomatic of capitalism, Jacobs um is is maybe giving it one more twist in that it's you know the left is symptomatic, but the way that it's symptomatic points beyond itself. Right? There's like what Marx sees as a capability for the left in its demands to actually see how it's it can it, it can like adopt those demands critically and then push beyond capitalism and they're picking up on like very similar points in terms of the left and the right or just politics generally and capitalism being you know having its its remnants right it's like it's produced by capitalism and it kind of yearns to reproduce it but you know what Marx sees it's it's is its potential as an ideal form the left is this preservation of like what is possible and building on what reality can already offer us. And that is maybe the, the value of keeping, of like holding mm -hmm. onto the concept of the left, right? And then the question is like, well, what is your marker for the left? Or what is your marker for politics, right? Like what's your marker for Marxism if it's not, if you're not maintaining the object of critique, if you want to destroy right. the object of critique? I think it's a great point what you said about the is-ought distinction. And, you know, with the, the regression of, of politics over the last century or more, we have kind of a, a lost that distinction so that the left really does appear to just be, as Lisa pointed out, you know, 
the dead left today, right? That the, that the left, in other words, that the left is dead. And it's very difficult to imagine that it was ever alive. I mean, one thing I was thinking about specifically with Kolakowski, who's this, this Marxist who's kicked out of the Polish Communist Party. I mean, the thing to remember is that he's kicked out by Marxists, right? So, like, what does that mean? Or, what is, you know, what does it mean that the Second and Third International are arguing with one another, quoting Marx back and forth at each other? I'm kind of reminded of what happened at the very beginning of Platypus, or near the beginning of, of Platypus. Um, in Chicago, the Spartacist League has open office hours to the public, so you can go talk to them. And some platypodes went to go see the Spartacists at the early on. And um, the Spartacists said to, said to us, what's all this stuff about the left? What about the proletariat? What about the working class? Like, why should you care at all about the left? So this is not necessarily a new accusation. The question is, you know, the political direction of the proletariat. Like if you want, if you want to say, what do the workers want? What are the, what does the proletariat want? Well, the proletariat's chosen capitalism. And it has been for the last 200 years. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it's interesting what you said in terms of like this, this idea of like abandoning the left is an old problem. Maybe the left has always been seen as like utopians and progressives and, and it, it has been. It's, it's kind of like full of kind of rotten intellectuals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's it, maybe on, on that point, it's interesting to see how like Benedict Cryptofash's kind of like third wayism is also kind of like reminiscent of maybe older elements in that came about kind of in, I want to say the 2010s. So like the, what it called to my mind was like the spiked, um, almost like a mirror image of like the spiked magazine um, line, which, you know, kind of fell out of the um, RCP in the UK and decided to um, kind of say, you know, both the, like the left and the right are kind of dead ends for transforming society. Um, and maybe instead of adopting like Marxism as they're out, they kind of like retreated back into liberalism in this weird way. I think that's what the article left me asking was like, so if, if, you know, if not the left, then, then what, like, what would Marxism be? The overwhelming um, feeling I got from it was it would be kind of like this materialist political movement, which I imagine means something along the lines of like a welfare state um, or unionism like that was still that that was like my best guess right so he's like if, if the left can't be defined or the left is defined on the level ideas and the ideas are utopian and their politics is utopian we have to give a historical materialist critique or dialectical materialist critique of the left and wish to mm. abolish it but it's it's like what would our alternative mean like which which provides like a really nice like sparring partner to the Maupin, right? Where he's he's pitching, which I thought it was actually quite fun, even though I thought maybe the his concepts of like what Marxism is was wild. Well, I mean, he says we shouldn't go back to to a pure Marxism, which is utopian, and we shouldn't form a Marxist party because this failed a lot. And we shouldn't even go to to movements or, or getting out of the movement, but to the masses, 
So in a way, he sounds really idealistic, maybe. But in the end, he is cutting off his idealism to materialism. And I would say he goes a step further in going to realism. So what is possible right now in this situation exactly today? Maybe maybe mirroring cryptofash in that he's actually maybe abandoning a bit of Marxism, right? Because you don't need to be a Marxist to propose a series of economic and political reforms that would challenge corporate power. That that can just be like progressivism. I don't. I, I'm really wondering why he does need Marx in his um, in 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 the roots right. here. Right. It's it, it's just crazy that he's quoting like the Gundrisa. Like he's he's done his homework. You you know that like, he's he's read the classics. And it's not enough for him. You know, it's like the Marxism isn't something specific to capitalism. It's like this continuation That's of right. like good morals and healthy societal living. Where, whereas, you know, again, maybe bouncing it off of like, like Danny Jacobs's piece. It's like in, I think the case is made that like Marxism is like an incredibly specific historical critique of, of capitalism. And I think maybe that's, you know, that's kind of where cryptofash is also kind of picking it up. Right. He's, he's he's kind of seeing that it's like more historically contingent and it's, it's, you know, it's got something to do with the emergence of the proletariat. And this is, you know, this this has like potential for transforming society. Maupin, I think, is a bit more fuzzy. But what I do like is that he has this optimism and and which which made me did make me smile at yeah. the end. And this might explain like the kind of optimism of this, but it reminds me of Elaine Badiou's communist hypothesis. Yeah, right. And and of course, Chris Cutrone's response to that, the Marxist hypothesis. But Badiou's communist hypothesis is that communist, the communist uh, idea or the pro, you know truth process, truth procedure, as Badiou might say, has been like an ongoing thing, and that elements of the communist hypothesis like develop throughout history. So, you know, the Spartacus uprising of, you know, antiquity, Christ, um, you know, St. Paul, all these people. That for Badiou, communism becomes a kind of faith that the right objective conditions might come about. Rebecca, I, I agree with you that Marx here kind of stands in for the good life or like the good approach to ethics and the right way to live, which, as you, as you know, is not really what's important in Marx. It's the historical specificity, the consciousness of history. What I'm trying to figure out is how to bring Coutron's article into all of this. I think my, my best lead is that he's very much like Cryptofashion Maupin. Um, he's kind of giving his own account of falling away from the left. And then maybe rediscovering it through, I think, I think for him, the, maybe the key was Adorno, um, right? So maybe, maybe finding this way to get at that um, kind of imminent critique that Marx mm-hmm. um, pioneered, or maybe not pioneered, but, but, but adopted as a critique of capitalism. And then a way to kind of like critically sustain the death of the Communist Party. Right, so Dorno is like leaving it this this as this open question that is, you know, still kind of haunting us in a way we can't we we kind of struggle to express. But I I think it's it's what the auto 
kind of short autobiography provides is this kind of wonderful if if um haunted journey of, of how we got here right um and also i think it begs to question like the parallels that our moment is experiencing with the mm. 1990s right he it, he said it was it was kind of the turning point of clinton and the 1992 riots in la where the left fell into like this political despair and felt like a dead end and then it was kind of like a retreat um into academia right. almost it's an, it was a nice way of maybe tying a lot of of these questions together but also making us reconsider this moment in time where the left is in interrogation and maybe despair with maybe facing the fact that it's, it's happened before right I was just going to note the parallel between Chris's early 90s moment, experiencing the left's despair and kind of collapse and feeling the same way today. You know, it's it's worth noting that whereas as Chris kind of was off on his own after he leaves the Spartacist League in the early 90s, today, you know, the Platypus Affiliated Society exists. There's now a place for people who are interested in Marxism to go without, you know, having to join a party that will burn them out, making them sell newspapers, you know, every weekend or something. There's, <laughs> you know, all the, the young, all the little Chris's out in the world now can go like learn, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and, as you said, learning, it's also interesting what his influences were. So he mentions the, the three big influences, the Spartacist League, Adolf Reed and Moish Postone. And through these engagements, how he came to his intellectual authorities, which is Marx, Lenin and Adorno. And especially how he came to Adorno is quite interesting um, because he was mentioned to him to get him out to get away with his marxism and it deepened his understanding instead and also lenin is a figure that is mentioned in the whole article as a controversial figure so when lenin is mentioned crazy things happen <laughs> um so this is something that's interesting to see and also what i think is the combination with chris's article to all the other ones is the distinction between materialism and idealism. So the accusation against Chris to be too idealistic, the Spartacist League who to tell him that he is too um, petit bourgeois intellectualism um, instead of practice and it's too theoretical what he's doing. And Reed tells him that he has a bad idealism or the bad idealism of the Frankfurt School and is too abstract because he favors the Socialist Party instead of the Workers' Party. Um, and also Moish Postone, who says, once a Spartacist, always a Spartacist. So, the <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see. Um, That's right. The suspicion of, of Leninism, you know, that we see in the academic left, they are all, like, kind of symptoms. I mean, the symptoms of, like, the new left's own suspicions of left of Leninism. 
Yeah, and also how the Spartacists, what you mentioned before, Lou, is um, that the Spartacists wanted to be more with the workers instead of, or the working class instead of um, the left and right distinction. So there is a, a connection between the Cryptofash and the Spartacist League in its materialism. And there is also yeah, relationship between um, the Moish Postone and the Cryptofash in going back to pure to, to, to what Marx wrote, to, to, to the pure Marx and filtering him out of Marxism, um, which is the undialectical character maybe in the political sphere of Marxism that the class has to constitute itself to abolish itself. So there is a contradictory um, struggle here, which is, yeah, rejected from both, maybe. Yeah, that's a good point. I was just going to say that the, over the last, you know, you could say half century, that there's been this recognition that we need to recover something from Marx. Like if only you, one could think one's way through the problem, right? I'm not necessarily saying that that's what both... Uh, Postone and Cryptofash do, but there's a little bit of that sense here. Going off of what you, you were saying, Lisa, in terms of this like non-dialectical taking up of the left, if we take one of my favorite writings of Rosa Luxemburg's, she has this amazing metaphor, which I think is in one of the Spartacist pamphlets, where she says that the working class must be on the Golgotha path to its own destruction. Right, that that being like this this idea that the working class is like must kind of recognize itself as a class, act politically as a class, as on the left, right? So the working class, not so much the sociological concept, but like as the socialist party towards you know the dictatorship of the proletariat. It's it's workers and intellectuals. They kind of take up this task that the left has historically established for itself it's utopianism it's um hope it's um i think what Maupin calls its optimism and uses that to abolish this like class differences you know the basis on which the left has always defined itself um and then and kind of creating creating something new and it's interesting i think that cryptofash says like the left lives we must abolish the the left um and maybe that's it's true mm -hmm. Maybe, and that it's premature, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and I think it, that's something throughout this whole Platypus review, I love that it's tapping into this question of like, what is the need for the left on the level of ideas? Um, mm -hmm. Can we get rid of it? Or actually what's at stake um, when we talk about the left? And I think what the Coutron picks up actually really well is like this, if anything, like keeping the left as like this object, which Marxism has always taken up as self-contradictory and something that kind of like points beyond itself, has kind of given like him like this this really interesting direction in um, or orientation to truly really think of like what's what's possible. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I I think you know I mean I I love that that this PR Lou is like positing those two questions together. Oh, good. Right? It, it maybe is. It's like directly, it's directly addressing like the frustration that Marxists have um, against its own 
position, whether it be within the left or as critics of the left, mm-hmm. right? It just, it feels like a dead end. That's right. I like what you said that, yeah, we the left should be abolished, but first it must actually constitute itself. Constitute right, itself. Right, right. I mean, the point is to escape, uh, to use some, you know, Frankfurt School language, to escape history, to escape from this freedom problem that we've gotten ourselves into. Perfect. Okay, guys, we will link the text panels and articles mentioned in the episode description. Thanks, Lou, for being here. Thanks for having me. It was really great talking to you. Thank you. Bye. This has been a production of the Platypus Affiliated Society, featuring original tracks by Thomas Delaci. Platypus is an international membership-based organization that hosts reading groups, public fora, research, and journalism focused on problems and tasks inherited from the old, new, and post-political left for the possibilities of emancipatory politics today. Platypus also publishes articles by thinkers and activists on the left in the monthly publication, The Platypus Review. To contact, learn more about Platypus, or to access the entire archive of Platypus reviews and panel recordings, please visit us online at platypus1917.org. That's the word platypus, followed by the numerals 1917.org. Bye!